you know, I, I am back up here and back in a place to teach. I do still have like mommy hormones, right? So we'll see like what happens <laughs> as we teach today. Um, today is our first day with Evie in the nursery and uh, we are so blessed to have this community here. Like um, I just, you know, every time Alan said family, I just thought of this community. Like you guys are my family. Um, You've been just so supportive of us and loving, lifting us up in prayer, um, coming over to hold the baby while I cook or clean or just sleep or whatever. Um, and so I'm so, so grateful for this community. And, uh, you know, we have like, it's taken us a few weeks to get her into the nursery. Um, and, and not because I don't have full faith in this nursery, right? Like we have an amazing children's ministry here. Nikki spearheaded an amazing ministry. And I'm so excited to see what Lauren is going, the other Lauren is going to do um, with this, uh, there's like very, there's no one I would trust more to um, bring Evie up in these years. So we're um, so grateful this, for this community. But I will say one of the reasons we have um, had her in church is because honestly, I've just really liked it. Like I know you guys have, if you guys have been here, you guys have seen, um, you know, that on the right, just getting to hold the baby during worship and swing and praising God. And it's just been like the most lovely experience. Um, it's taught me so much about God as a father. Um, um, and the love he has for us. And I, I know uh, kind of a, a result of this is that there's been kind of this baby fever rising up in the church, right? Like we're looking back and seeing this baby and, and getting really just like, you know, maybe, maybe we should do another one. I don't know. Um, and, and, I, and I'm aware of that. And so I just wanted to quickly disabuse you of that notion um, that often this is our reality with the baby <laughs> as well. So we've had amazing moments in church, but um, being a mom is definitely a new experience. Um, on the far right. Moms, you guys know um, how that is. Um, so yes, I know the baby fever is real. Um, uh, but yes, it's been a very funny thing to say, let's speak about peace uh, as a new parent, right? I know even today while I was dropping off my baby, um, I'm a first-time mom. I, we had kids like later in life, and so it's it's been funny being like a newbie to so many things, right? And so we were trying to get the baby settled and adjusted, and we're like, okay, here's the baby, bye. And even now, I'm feeling like, okay, peace, Lauren. You're talking about peace. You're talking about peace, right? So, um, so having that spirit over me this past month has been um, actually a really amazing thing. I don't teach every week, right? So I get to kind of dwell on these messages and think about them, and so it's been powerful to me to dwell on this idea of peace. And I want to share with you today some of the things that I um, have heard God saying about peace, that I've seen in the Bible about peace, and that I think he wants to speak to us today. Um, so with that, why don't, we, I'm, why don't we pray? Why don't we just pray and ask to hear from the Lord in this moment? So God, we open our hearts to you today. God, we ask that you would speak uh, through your word and through the things that we have learned and prepared, and God, that we would also speak to us through that quiet voice in our hearts, God, that we would hear what you're saying for us today and that we would walk away just a little bit newer, a little bit more refreshed, and a little bit more at peace as we move into this week of celebration. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so what I want to do today, I want to start by defining the word peace, right? What does it mean? It's a Hebrew word that's used again and again in the Bible, so what does it mean? Um, then I want to look at a story in the Old Testament where I think God is showing us what peace can look like uh, 
through the nation of Israel. And then what does that look like for us as Christ followers? What does Christ do for us and unlock for us so we can be a people of peace as well? And that's what I'm going to do today. So the word peace, uh, if you've been around church, you might kind of know is the word. Does anyone know? Anyone want to shout it out? Shalom. There it is. Good job. All right. So shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, actually means complete or whole. Okay. So it's not just the meaning that we think about where like, like peace man, like we're chill, we're getting along with each other. It's a word completeness. So a few different ways this was used. So one is Solomon was one of the kings of Israel and he is, uh, one of his big accomplishments was finishing the temple. And when he had the last piece of the temple, he put the piece in the temple in the wall and he said, shalom, right? The temple was complete. It was shalom. But then it can also be that something with many parts can also be complete, right? So I think about our, our sweet little family, and I think, God, oh, our, our family is shalom, right? Um, Job, in the Bible, he looked at his flocks after God restored them to him, and he said, shalom. He said, not one of them is missing. This is complete, right? And then it also means the, the, the definitions of the word that we use today. So David once asked, how is your shalom? How is your well-being? Um, the Bible talks about shalom between nations, right? So those, those definitions that we're familiar with. And, and the depth of the word means that not just that we're getting along and we're not yelling at each other, right, but that we are reconciled to one another. There's healing and we're working together for each other's good. So when we hear in Isaiah talking about peace, we're, he's, Isaiah is creating a vision of this peace where we can work together and come together Together in harmony. And he says, People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. God, what a vision, right? Like what a vision if we could just do this in our communities, if we could, you know, hammer our swords into plowshares and, and we could no longer train for war where we can mediate, where we could settle disputes. What a vision of peace. And what's so powerful, right, is not only are we getting along, but we're working to help each other. And if you're a reader of the Old Testament, you'll hear this longing for the restoration of that shalom, that wholeness, that peace, that God would gather his people together, that those people would be shalom again, that they would be a blessing to other nations, right, that, that, um, that they would be whole. And this, this vision of peace is often, I'm going to get really nerdy with you guys for a minute, but it'll be fun, I promise, maybe, I don't know, um, is that often these visions of peace have Eden imagery, okay? So hang with me for a minute. There's this Eden vision of peace where God is at peace with us and we are at peace with each other. Okay, so quick Eden, if you're like... I don't go to church where I use all these churchy words, right? Eden is a place uh, where, where life started with God, right? So God was in perfect harmony with his people until the people looked and said, mm, you know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things on my own terms. I want things on my own terms. And there's this apple that looks really good. That probably wasn't an apple, but they, it looked really good. And they took it and they said, I'm going to take and, and make things good on my own terms. And that peace was broken. 
right? And so, and so the, they, were, they left the garden, and, and, and beyond that, now there's enmity between us and the land, God and, God and his people. And so God is constantly trying to restore that wholeness and peace. And so where do we see Eden here? Okay. We see it in what's trying to be built, right? If we're hammering our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks, what are we making? We're making a garden, right? We're making life again. We're, we're bringing fullness um, and peace through this garden. And so today, as we talk about this story in the Old Testament, I want you guys to watch for those images of life, of nature, of recreation, okay, because I'm going to tell us a very Christmassy story today of a land dispute and a trade agreement, right? You guys ready? Okay. Yeah, so, so it is, it's a, I promise you, this is a very riveting Christmassy story, um, even though it doesn't look like at, a first, gra- at first glance, right? But what we're going to see is we're going to see God making peace with others at a well, a source of water and a source of life, and God making peace with Abraham at a tree. Christmas, right? Christmas tree. Okay, so so these symbols of Eden are a place where we're going to see God making peace. And this is the story of Abraham at the tamarisk tree. And if you want to follow along in the Bible, um, this is in Genesis chapter 21. And just some really quick context, okay, because I always think it's important that we know, like, what's happening around the story. So if you scroll up to the top of Genesis 21, what you see is that Abraham has just sent his servant Hagar into the wilderness, And again, I know, I thank you for tracking with me if you're not as familiar with these stories, but Abraham, just like the people in the first garden, um, had a promise from God. He had a promise from God that he was going to be the father of a great nation. And it wasn't happening on his timeline. And so he looked and he said, he talked to his wife and he said, you know what? I got an idea. They they got an idea and they said, I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it my own and I'm going to make things right my own way. And if you know the story, what he did is he took his servant and um, he, he had a child with his servant. And this caused many, many problems to the point where Hagar and Ishmael, the servant and the son, were sent away. And so what we see in this moment is that Abraham, who we're going to look at as an example of building peace, did a terrible job at first, right? So, so uh, but he has this moment of hope in this new story. And the reason I think that, that, uh, that juxtaposition is really important is because we can look and say that Abraham wasn't a perfect person, right? God didn't affirm everything that Abraham said, but sometimes we can get it right. Sometimes he got it right. And this was a moment where rather than taking what he saw was good in his own eyes, he decided to build peace. Okay, so here's the story. Sorry, I know this is like a lot of story stuff, so thank you for rolling with me, guys. So I'm going to give you a big picture overview. So we got Abimelech and Abraham. Okay, so Abimelech. He, Abimelech comes to Abraham and he says, hey, man, like I want peace. I want shalom with you. I want to get along. And Abraham says, that's great. I've got this one thing going on, though. There's this well that you took from me, and I need it back. And so Abraham brings a gift, and he gets his well back, and he reestablishes ownership of a well, and he plants a tree to celebrate, right? And so now we cue Carol the Bell, stuff like that. Okay, again, I know this story feels a little boring. I promise you there's a lot to see in it. So let's, let's see what Abimelech said to Abraham. It says, God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do, Abimelech said. Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. 
I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. Abraham replied, yes, swear to it. Yes, I swear to it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. Okay. So what do we have to see here? The very first thing we see is that the blessing of God is clear in Abraham's life. Abimelech, a foreigner, someone who doesn't know God, is attracted to what Abraham has because God is with Abraham. So that's the very first thing we can see here. The next thing I would call us to see here is that uh, he, Abimelech says, this country where you are living as a foreigner, right? So Abraham is living in a kingdom that is not his own, right? And yet, because of, because of the blessing of God on his life, despite the fact that he's a foreigner in his land that is not his own, Abraham swears peace with Abimelech before there's full restitution, he says, I am calling us to peace, I'm calling us to shalom, even though things aren't quite right yet. And so in this moment, Abimelech, um, the, uh, so, you know, again, Abraham calls him out. He says, you've taken this from me. And Abimelech's like, man, I don't know, I'm so sorry, I didn't know about this. And so Abraham shows up with livestock and he sets them apart. And Abimelech's like, what's going on? And Abraham replies, he says, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath, because that was where they had sworn the oath. Okay, so what's happening here? The wronged party is Abraham here, right? But the burden of peace falls on Abraham. The burden of healing and wholeness comes to Abraham, and yet he is willing to pay the price. Peace costs him something, and yet he's willing to do it to create peace in the nation that he's living in, peace with someone who is not necessarily as part of his family, but to become more, uh, more whole. And, and I, I would say here, too, I think it's important to realize, like, this isn't a story of an abuser or someone who is abused making peace with their abuser, right? This is someone who has been blessed by God, who is full in his identity, who knows what God has for him, and says, from that fullness, I'm here to make peace with you, right? And so when we're blessed and loved by God, we're empowered to make peace with others, even though it causes, it, it costs us. Um, and then how does Abraham celebrate? Abraham plants a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worships the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in Philistine country for a long time. I think in this wild, weird, obscure little story, what we see is a model for what God is calling us to as his people. He's calling us to be a people who, when people look at us, he says, I want that. I want something there. And despite challenges and despite difficulty, we are called to be a blessing to others. And we get to celebrate that with him um, by, by then feeling at peace with God as well. 
Abraham celebrates at the tamarisk tree saying, I've made peace with the nations, and that gets me closer to that ideal of what God has for us, that shalom, that wholeness, that peace. And this isn't just here, right? This isn't just, the, Abraham is called to be a blessing to the nations throughout Genesis, in Genesis 12, and Genesis 22, and we as God's people are called to be the same, a blessing to the nations, Let's look again back at Isaiah. In Isaiah, it tells us that people from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. And so what we see is that the peace extends out from us and draws people in. Right? So we see people say, uh, God, let's, let's get near to that mountain. Let's see what's happening there. And then from the mountain, that peace extends out to others. Israel's nearness to God is winsome to others, right? It causes them to draw near. And I think when we're tapped into that peace that God has for us, we can do the same. Um, that word winsome, I looked it up. It's not a Bible word, right? But I love the image that it gives us. It means attractive or appealing in appearance or character. I love that idea that someone would see our lives, see our community, see the way we love each other, see the life that we live and say, man, I want that. And then when they are part of it, right, they're not like, oh, that was fake, that wasn't real. They're like, this is a place where I feel loved, where God has something for us, where there's a life and community that I want to be a part of. And so as I reflect on this story, I, I really wanted to, I really asked myself, are we extending peace? And are we winsome to others? Do we, do people look at our lives and say, that's something that I want? And when they see that, do they see God in us? And so obviously then Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Jesus gives us the power to do this, right? Because Abraham, he messed up again and again, and there's a story of peace and then a story of failure and a prayer of peace and then a story of failure. And often our lives feel like that too. And so Jesus empowers us to do this even more. I love that the Rossers read this verse for us. This uh, classic Christmas verse, right? Like you can hear the Christmas bells ringing. You probably have some ornaments with these things on it. There it is. Thanks, thanks. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And what is he? He is the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Jesus completed peace for us. He reconciled us through his blood so everyone in who is a part could draw near. The shalom peace that he has brought to us through his blood. And so what I want to do now is I want to look in Ephesians and I want to look how Jesus fulfills this peace for us. It says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Once you were far away from the Father, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I love when we read the Bible and like we see these images again, right? That we were far from him and yet he drew us near. Just like God said in Isaiah, like you were far, these nations were far from us and they drew us near to the mountain of God. 
he said, um, I love that image of uh, like, like that new and expanded nation of Israel that now it's not Abimelech and Abraham, it's not Jew and Gentile, it's not one political party or another, it is us. We are together. It is no longer us or them, but it's how do we find our home together in Christ. And as I think about the word peace, I think about those many parts coming together and saying, yeah, now, now, this is shalom. This is peace. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Um, I spent a lot of Christmases as a single person in the church. You know, like, and so when we talk about family, I was like, yeah, the, the church is, is, is my family, but it didn't always feel like I had that uh, little core community, right? This group that I'm like, this is, this is my family. This is who I get to spend Christmas Day with. This is, this is how I get to celebrate. And what I would say is in those moments, what I found is that Christ is a truer family than any we could ever have. And he extends that family to us through this community and this family that we have. And so I would encourage you, I, this, I would say that if, if you are feeling in this moment, like, who is my family? Where is my family? Reach out to this body. God has built this body up to be a place where we can love and care for one another. And Christ did that through his, through his blood. He says, we are no longer strangers and followers, foreigners. We are citizens along with all of God's people. You are members of God's family. So what did Christ do for us? If we think of those symbols in, in Abraham's story, right, he said, let's make peace at this well. Let's say that this well is a place that we can be together. And if we think back to our Eden imagery, right, we're in a garden. We're in a place of peace with each other. And how did Jesus bring us to that well? How did he bring us to that place of peace? He brought it to us through a tree with his body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility so that we could be together as one. He says, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I think of that image of Solomon and his temple where he took that stone and he put it in and he said, complete shalom. I think about the body of God and that how every time someone becomes part of a family, of this family, of the wider church family, I, I just imagine that, that God looks at, at that family and he, and he places people in here and he says, shalom complete. We're becoming more whole, becoming one of us together. I love that the body becomes more and more complete as it becomes more and more diverse, more and more full of people who are different, who are new to the body, who are not like us. Right? That is what God is calling us to, a place, a temple that is built not from things that look the same, that, that peace comes through, you know, we, we feel the same way, we think the same way, 
but through our nearness and our drawing near to Christ. I think about the image of Christ at the center, right? And that as, as we are far apart, as we draw near to Christ, we become near to each other. And I think that what, that's what Christ is doing here. I think that's what the image is supposed to be here, that as we draw near to that tree, as we draw nearer to God's presence, we also draw nearer to each other. And peace comes from knowing that we um, are near to him. So what have we talked about? What, what symbols have we looked at today? Right? We looked at that completed temple. That the, as, the, as the stone came into the temple, we said, yes, we are more complete now. We looked at a well where we can come and dwell together and God says there's peace here. And we looked at a tree. A tree that Abraham planted to say, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate that there's peace between us, that we're near to God, and that there's restoration of a little bit of that Eden peace we had um, when we walked side by side with God. And so what is that tree for us? Right? What is that tree that we look at in the back every week that used to be at the front right, but this is the back every week we say, this is the cross where we can gather together and say, there's peace between me and God. And so now I can have peace um, with each other, that we can have peace with each other. I want to go back to verse 14 and just dwell here for a minute. I love what this is saying to us here. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body in the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. That's peace. Right? That is peace in a nutshell. Right? That Christ said, yeah, we're trying and we're striving to get along with people this season. We're trying to, uh, trying to be nice at this dinner, right? But then Christ said, you know what? I know. I know it's hard. So let me bring peace to you. Let me unite the Jews and the Gentiles, the family that agrees and the family that disagrees. Let me unite those who don't get along into one people. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it by my blood on the cross. I'm going to break down hostility. I'm going to pay the heaviest price that I can in order to bring peace between one another. Um, I think about, I, you know, just as a, as a mom this season, I think about the, that God the Father would say, I'm going to take uh, my one and only son, and I'm going to send him to earth in this season so he can, he can die, right? Like, what a, like, it's baffling to me that God was willing to do that. And yet God said, I am ready to pay this price for peace. Um, Abraham's price. Abraham, as the, as, as the father of the kingdom of Israel, said, I'm going to pay a price, right? I've got some lambs that I can give up and say, you know what? Like, this is worth it. It's worth it to me that I make peace with my neighbor, and so I'm going to pay this price. And so as we think about this right now, I want you guys to think about, like, what is the price that God is asking you to pay for peace this, this season, this year? Maybe it's some time or some energy. Um, maybe it is, uh, maybe it's, it's your schedule or your plans, right? Maybe it's something practical. Maybe it's a, a gift that it's time to give or um, a phone call that it's time to make. But I think God is calling us to say, what, what peace do we need to make in this, season, in this season? Will we dwell, and, dwell in and bring peace this season? 
Um, I want to look at a few of those symbols again and, and just kind of get a little practical with us and think about, okay, what, what, can we, what can we do to bring peace this season? There were the three symbols that we talked about, right? We looked at the well where Abraham said we can make peace at this well. We looked at the temple where it said, okay, there's this one last piece to make things complete. What's missing that we can make it complete in? And then that powerful image of the tree. That Abraham planted a tree to celebrate. And that every season we have these Christmas trees that we use to mark and celebrate this season that draws us back to the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And so as we begin to move into ministry time, as we begin to reflect, if you want to come on up, Yoni, um, I, I know there's a lot of questions up there and a lot of things to think through. And so I encourage you to look at, you know, what's maybe one of these things that God is calling you to? So maybe it's that image of a well. Maybe there's a place where it's time to draw near to others in. So I'm going to encourage you to reflect on who you can draw near to this Advent season. Who are the, those that you are called to make peace with as you move into the holidays? Um, or maybe it's, it's that Shalom temple, right? Maybe it's the... It's, the moment that you're saying, there's something, there's a piece that's missing here that I need to add in. But what I would say too is as you're seeking that, this piece, right? This is not like strictly related to what we're saying, but it's just something that I've been experiencing in this season, is that keep in mind that complete doesn't necessarily mean full, right? When we call to make peace, when we're called to be near to others, I'm not saying you need to add one more thing to your schedule, something else to your agenda, one more plan to make. Right? I'm going to encourage you to choose wisely how you choose to celebrate this season. Don't let the busyness of this season block you from the peace that God is calling you to, from the moments that God is calling you to throughout this week, the people that you pass by or drive by. I encourage you to not let the agenda that you have stop you from what God is calling you to. Then, of course, there's the tree. As you guys see Christmas trees this season, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to meditate. Maybe it's just as you step out into the atrium today or as you go home and you look at a Christmas tree. Meditate what it looks like to have Eden peace, Eden shalom in your life today. As you prepare to celebrate, look at that tree and say, I know God has paid a price for the peace that I have with him. And so what will I bring to the tree? What will I bring? Who will I bring? Who will I go out and find as I seek peace with God and with others this Christmas season? I encourage you guys to think through these things as we go into some ministry time. Um, but let's close in prayer um, for a moment today before we move into ministry. God, we... Um, we thank you that in this season of Advent, our greatest blessing is that we get your presence. In each day, in each moment that you are here. God, we thank you that your peace is ready and available. God, we thank you that you have made the effort. That you have reached out to us and said, I want peace with you. And so, God, if, if, um, if finding peace with others feels insurmountable to us, God, we ask that you would give us grace 
to just dwell in the peace that you have for us. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son. God, speak to us and fill us today. Help us draw close to you and push out and bring peace to others. In your name we pray. Amen.